Welcome to Chomping Down the Dietetic Exam, where I, Dietitian Faraz, and you, an awesome person, join forces to chomp down dietetic concepts into digestible bites and provide you with practice questions, rationales, and tips to conquer your dietetic exam, and you will conquer it because you are smart, you are skilled, and you got this. Hit it! Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Chomping Down the Dietetic Exam. Today we will be covering Alzheimer's disease, Delphi technique, and nominal group technique. So before going into today's topics, I got some really, really exciting news I gotta share with you. So over the years, I've had a lot of podcast listeners and students ask me to develop a program that covers everything you need to know about the RD exam. Well, guess what? That's happened. I've developed a program that's really focused on visual learning and this program consists of 17 video lectures that cover all four domains and every topic that's relevant to the RD exam. These topics are covered with full explanations, tons of mnemonics, illustrations, animations, tables, and each video lecture also has a pre and post test and a super duper colorful set of corresponding notes. This full program is now available on our website at chompdowndietetics.com. Make sure to check out the program sneak peek video on the website's homepage and feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. With that being said, let's get into our first appetizer question. Which of the following is least likely to be recommended for a patient diagnosed with Alzheimer's? A. Decreasing saturated fat intake. B. Increasing saturated fat intake. C. Finger foods. D. Avoiding pattern plates for mealtime. So Alzheimer's may cause both the loss of neurons and mess up their communication with each other in the brain. And the exact reason for why Alzheimer's develops in people is still being debated. And there's various theories on why it manifests. But one particular theory states that a major culprit behind the development of Alzheimer's is the role of apolipoprotein E and the presence of amyloid beta proteins. So apolipoprotein E basically carries away amyloid beta proteins because they have the potential to stick together. If amyloid beta proteins stick together, that can cause a big, big problem because they can stick together and form sticky plaques that can block the communication between neurons. And if neuron communication gets blocked, then this is where we see the issues typically associated with Alzheimer's, like memory loss and confusion. Also, plaque by nature is pro-inflammatory. So typically we hear about plaque in the heart, for example, and the inflammation it can cause. But the plaques in Alzheimer's can also cause inflammation. So suffice to say, the less amyloid beta proteins we have, the better due to their potential to promote plaque buildup. Apolipoprotein E helps with removing amyloid beta proteins so they don't stick together and create plaques. However, apolipoprotein E can become compromised, and two factors 
that have been associated with compromising apolipoprotein E is saturated fat intake and genetic variants. So when it comes to Alzheimer's, one of the guidelines for medical nutrition therapy that we learn about in school is to recommend consuming less saturated fats. But why is that? Well, studies have found that people who eat a ton of saturated fat are more likely to develop Alzheimer's. And these studies have pointed to the notion that high saturated fat intake can compromise apolipoprotein E's ability to clear amyloid beta proteins although the mechanism through which this compromising takes place is still under investigation. Another factor that can compromise apolipoprotein E has to do with a genetic variant. Basically, there's a gene that's talked about as contributing to Alzheimer's, which is the E4 allele of apolipoprotein E. Rolls right off the tongue. This E4 allele is less effective at clearing amyloid beta proteins, People diagnosed with Alzheimer's have been found to have inherited this E4 allele. So the theory is that due to this E4 allele's compromised ability to carry away amyloid beta proteins, the proteins hang around and they stick together, ultimately creating plaques in the brain. Now, let's move on to recommendations for Alzheimer's patients. So we already established that we recommend limiting saturated fat intake. We can remember that we recommend to limit saturated fat intake by focusing on the second letter and last letter in the word Alzheimer's, which is L and S. And the L can stand for limit and the S can stand for saturated. So limit saturated fats. But also we typically recommend anything that can make consuming meals as non-distracting and non-stressful as possible. So things like consistent meal times, calming background music, avoiding patterned plates or tablecloths, offering one food at a time are all typical recommendations. We also want to encourage independence as much as possible and this manifests via offering finger foods to patients so they have a chance of self-feeding as opposed to having to rely on someone else feeding them, or using dining utensils, which may make eating more difficult and limiting of autonomy. With that being said, let's get back to our appetizer question. Which of the following is least likely to be recommended for a patient diagnosed with Alzheimer's? A. Decreasing saturated fat intake. B increasing saturated fat intake, C, finger foods, D, avoiding pattern plates for mealtime. So remembering our mnemonic that the L in Alzheimer's stands for limit and the S stands for saturated, we know A is definitely not the answer because we would in fact recommend to decrease saturated fats and the question is asking for what we would likely not recommend, so we can eliminate A. B seems like a strong candidate for the answer since it's saying increasing saturated fat intake, which would not be recommended. However, whenever we have a question that asks least likely or most likely, we have to look at all of the answer choices presented because sometimes there could be multiple correct answers. but then the task becomes to choose the most correct answer. So let's move on to C, 
finger foods. We do encourage independence as much as possible. So finger foods would be likely to be recommended so that we can eliminate this answer choice as well. How about D, avoiding pattern plates for mealtime? This is also recommended to mitigate distraction and make mealtimes as simple as possible so we can eliminate this answer choice also. Now we are left with B, increasing saturated fat intake, and that is indeed the correct answer because we would not recommend to do that. We recommend to decrease saturated fat intake. All right, let's move on to our next appetizer question. Here we go. Which of the following is not considered a feature typically associated with the Delphi technique? A, multiple rounds of questionnaires. B, participants discussing the topic together in person. C, participant anonymity. D, all choices are features typically associated with Delphi technique. So Delphi technique is a method for structuring a communication process within a group of subject matter experts. So the process effectively allows the group as a whole to reach a consensus on a topic. It basically just aggregates opinions on a topic and it can be used in a bunch of different situations. For example, if you have a group of people that have conflicting views on how to best tackle a problem, you can use the Delphi technique to reach a consensus. Another example is using it in a situation where you are trying to predict what problems can happen in the future and what you should do about these problems so that you can mitigate their effects as much as possible. This is important because in business structures where Delphi is often used, you always want to stay ahead of the curve. Now, the Delphi technique argues that a consensus decision is better than an individual decision. And if you ask experts about their thoughts on a particular problem through multiple rounds of questionnaires, eventually a consensus will be reached that will be best in helping address the problem. The main feature of the Delphi technique is that the people taking part in answering the questionnaires do not meet. So the questionnaire responses are anonymous. Although it can be modified to where participants do meet, the classic and most well-known version of Delphi technique comprises of no physical meeting between participants. Also of note in the literature, sometimes there's references to questionnaires being used or written interviews being used, but those two terms can be used interchangeably. Now, since the participants aren't meeting and this process is being carried out anonymously, the assumption is that the consensus that's reached will be free from bias. To remember that you don't meet in Delphi, focus on the elf in Delphi. When is the last time you met an elf? Never, because we never get to meet a real elf because an elf doesn't exist, even if it did exist. It's currently November. If an elf messages you to meet up, you wouldn't want to meet them in November because it's turkey time. You'd be okay meeting an elf in December since, you know, it's Christmas time. But November, it just doesn't feel right. So remember, focus on the elf in Delphi. And remember, we refuse to meet an elf in November. In Delphi technique, you do not meet. Now, here's how the Delphi technique works. There's a moderator who gives the participants a questionnaire regarding some issue. 
the participants submit their answers to the questionnaire. The moderator then takes those answers, summarizes them, and sends a summary back to the participants. The participants then look at the summary and adjust their responses accordingly, or they provide more details. Then, the participants submit their answers to the questionnaire again, and this process continues for multiple rounds until a general sense of consensus is reached. This consensus is then considered to be the ultimate product derived from the Delphi technique process without any physical meeting of participants. So that's basically how the technique works. With that being said, let's get back to our appetizer question. Which of the following is not considered a feature typically associated with the Delphi technique? A, multiple rounds of questionnaires. B, participants discussing the topic together in person. C, participant anonymity. D, all answer choices are features associated with Delphi technique. So let's start with A. We know that the Delphi technique involves multiple rounds of questionnaires. That's how it's structured. So we can eliminate this answer choice. How about B, participants discussing the topic together in person? We know that participants meeting in person is not typical because in Delphi technique, we do not meet. So this answer could very well be the correct answer since the question is asking for a feature not typically associated with the technique. So let's pocket this answer and move on. How about C, participant anonymity? Well, since participants don't physically meet, anonymity is preserved. So let's eliminate this answer as well. How about D, all answer choices? So we've already eliminated answer A and C, so logically D can't be the correct answer choice. This leaves us with B, participants discussing the topic together in person, and that is indeed the correct answer. All right, let's move on to our next appetizer question. Let's go. Which of the following is not associated with nominal group technique? A, silent generation. B, participants sharing their thoughts on a topic with each other throughout the nominal group technique process. C, clarification. D, all of the choices listed are associated with the nominal group technique. So the nominal group technique is similar to the Delphi technique in that both techniques are considered to be consensus methods, which means they're both designed to achieve a general agreement around a particular topic. The nominal group technique involves an authoritative leader that's facilitating the discussion in a very strict format when they have a lot of control over how the discussions and process takes place. The way the nominal group technique specifically works is that there is a leader with participants who all meet in a group and they often sit in a horseshoe layout. Notice the word meet was used. This is the main factor that distinguishes nominal group technique from Delphi technique for the purposes of exams. And you can remember this by focusing on the nom in nominal. Nom 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 is a way of describing when you're eating. It's nice to meet up to eat with friends or family. So let nom remind you that you want to share a meal with others. So you have to meet in person. In nominal, participants do meet. Now, there's four main phases involved. Silent generation, round robin, clarification, and voting, which includes a ranking process. So this Nominal group technique starts with silent generation, which involves the leader providing paper to each participant 
which has a question on it. And the participants then write down their thoughts on the question presented. This is done without participants consulting with each other. Once this phase is done, the round robin phase starts, which involves the facilitator asking each person, one at a time, to share their thoughts on the question with everyone in the group. The leader documents these thoughts, and this round robin format keeps going until no new answers or thoughts are provided. Then the clarification phase happens when participants ask each other for more details about what they heard in the round robin phase. Sometimes this phase also includes similar answers to the questions being grouped. Finally, the leader provides the participants with a ranking sheet where they rank in priority order what they think the best answers are to the question. After ranking takes place, participants vote and decide on a consensus answer and the process comes to an end. So if we were to summarize, nominal is similar to Delphi, but it has a different structure and participants meet in person, whereas in Delphi, participants do not meet. With that being said, let's get back to our question. Which of the following is not associated with nominal group technique? A. Silent generation. B. Participants sharing their thoughts on a topic with each other throughout the nominal group technique process. C. Clarification. D. All of the choices listed are associated with the nominal group technique. So let's start with A. Silent generation. We know that that's a phase that is associated with the technique. It happens right at the beginning of the process, so we can eliminate this answer choice. How about B? Well, we know that there is a phase in the nominal group technique process where participants don't share their thoughts on a topic with each other, and that's during the silent generation phase. They keep their thoughts on the topic to themselves and just write down their thoughts on a piece of paper. So this answer choice is a very clear front runner for the correct answer because this is not typical of nominal group technique. It's not associated with the technique throughout the entire process. So let's pocket this answer. How about C, clarification? We know that that is definitely a phase that's associated with the technique, so we can eliminate this answer choice as well. How about D? All the choices listed are associated with the nominal group technique. So because B has that part in it that says participants share their thoughts on a topic with each other throughout the nominal group technique process, that throughout word is what makes it not correct. So Technically, all the choices listed are not associated with the nominal group technique because participants don't share their thoughts with each other throughout. So we can eliminate D. That leaves us with B, and that is indeed the correct answer. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode. Remember to check us out on chompdowndietetics.com where we have our program that covers all relevant topics on the RD exam with video lectures and colorful notes. You can also hit us up on our socials, which are listed in the episode descriptions. And this is where you can request topics and just let us know how you're doing with your exam journeys. With that being said, I will catch you later. Bye-bye.